On April the 18th, 17-year-old Tyler Smith and Heather Brown went to the beach near St. Augustine on Senior Skip Day. They thought it would be a good way to spend Senior Skip Day, so they'd been friends since the fourth grade, and they went off to go swim at the beach. <clears throat> they were swimming off Volano Beach when a strong current swept them out to sea. No matter what direction they swam in, they kept getting pushed further and further away from shore. After fighting the waves for two hours, the frightened and exhausted teens cried out to God for help. Tyler tells us later exactly what he prayed. He, he cried out, he says, if you really have a plan for us, like come on, just bring something. <laughs> That's a 17 year old prayer, alright? You get that, hear it again. If you really have a plan for us, like, come on, just bring something. Moments later, a boat came to the rescue. The crew heard a desperate scream and spotted the teens flailing their arms. The boat's captain, Eric Wagner, tossed the teens a pair of life jackets, pulled them on the boat. They were too, too tired to even pull themselves up. They pulled them aboard the boat. And when things calmed down, the captain told the two teens the name of the boat. It was called the Amen. That's perfect, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is not a preacher's story. This really happened. <laughs> he literally cried out, come on, do something, bring something. And it, almost immediately, the boat showed up called the Amen. Don't you wish God would do that for you? I mean, you cry out and all of a sudden he sends you the Amen. So that's the kind of, that's what I want to see happen. That's the way I want it to work. I'm in a desperate situation. I can't fix it. I can't change it. I'm about to go under and go under and you cry out to God for help in your desperation. And he sends the amen. It would be nice if, if that happened that way all the time. We're in a series right now called Desperation. And what we've been learning in the series is that God is drawn to our cries of desperation. Desperate situations actually can become defining moments in our lives. And so that's why I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 5. Uh, when we began the, this series, we started in Mark chapter 5. Today we go back to the same chapter, but to a different story. Mark chapter 5 is the story of a woman who turned to Jesus because she literally had nowhere else to turn. Our text begins, our text is in verse 25 through 34. But really the story we want to look at is, is a story within the story. And so we want, let's begin in verse 21, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was, lying, while he was by the lake. <clears throat> then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. And pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now this is a different story. We're not going to focus on that story. But it's kind of the introduction to the story we want to look at. And so here's the situation. Jesus is coming back across the Sea of Galilee. Back probably to the village of Capernaum. When he arrives on the shore, a large crowd of people gather around him. One of those people is Jairus, the synagogue ruler there in Capernaum. He says, my little girl's dying. 
I need you to come over and, and heal her. Please. He was in his own desperate situation. And Jesus, the Bible says, goes with Jairus. And the Bible talks about this crowd of people that went along with them. Verse 24, the first part of the verse. Notice this important note, this commentary, if you will, that Mark gives us. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Then in verse 25, Mark tells us about someone that was in the crowd. Someone that was part of that large crowd. He tells us in verse 25, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make a point to introduce us to this woman. And it's interesting that in all three Gospels, she is a nameless woman. And the only thing that we really know about her is her condition. The Bible tells us that she had a hemorrhage that was incurable. And it was slowly destroying her. One can only imagine the pain that she had. One can only imagine the the pain she endured for 12 years. Not for 12 days, not for 12 weeks, not for 12 months. But for 12 years. Sickness is the great interrupter of life, someone said. It enters without knocking. It takes over without your permission. It changes your plans. It mocks the idea that you are in control. And it touches every part of your life. This lady would have been in that situation. Day in and day out, this woman dealt with a 12-year interruption. She not only dealt with the physical trauma of her condition, she also had to deal with an added burden. You see, under Mosaic Law, we won't have the time to look at it, but under Mosaic Law, Leviticus chapter 15, she was considered, because of her bleeding condition, she was considered to be continuously unclean, ceremonially unclean, which meant that if you touched her, you too would be considered unclean. And so because that's who she was, that she became known for, who, for, for her condition, this lady was, was probably pretty much ostracized from her friends and even her family. Because if you were around her, you too would be unclean. And the problem here is not only was she shunned by family and friends, or at least shut off from family and friends, in addition to that, that meant she was also unable to go to the temple for worship. Because she was ceremonially unclean. Now please get this in your mind, this went on for 12 years. You know, most health issues that we deal with are relatively short, aren't they? You have a cold, it'll last a few days. If you have the flu, it might last a week or two. If you have some kind of injury, you may spend a few months in rehab. If you have cancer, of course, that is a grinding marathon that can last several years. But this woman had a grinding marathon that lasted 12 years. And there's no hope of it ever ending. She tried everything she could to get well, but nothing worked. Look in verse 26. Follow closely. Verse 26. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. That's hard for me to say with the doctor right here in front of me. No offense. (laughs) She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. And instead of getting better, she what, church? She grew worse. 
I just want you to feel the weight of a few phrases in verse 26. I want you to go back over it again and just kind of feel the weight of these words. Suffered a great deal. Spent all that she had. She grew worse. She tried one doctor after another, just like you and I would. If you can't get help with this doctor, somebody tells you about another doctor, and you go to try him or her, and you go to another doctor if that doesn't work, and another doctor because you desperately want to be healed, and this has gone on for years. She tried, like you and I would, one remedy after another. In fact, the Talmud suggested 12 different remedies for her condition. And some of them were absolutely insane. More, more superstitious than real remedies. But she likely went through all of those. Because for 12 years she's dealt with this dilemma and she tried everything that she could, yet it was all in vain. She simply had a condition that no one could cure. Adding to her misery, she was now broke. She'd spent all that she had trying to get well. She'd spent everything that she had looking for help. And the Bible says, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. Have you, ever got a, have you ever had a problem that got worse? You tried to make it better. You tried to do the right things. And have you ever had a long-standing problem that just seemed to defy solution? A long-standing problem that just drains you physically, emotionally, and maybe even financially? Here, that was her problem. But watch this. Listen, there was a day when her 12-year problem was resolved. There was a day when her 12-year interruption was stopped. There was a day when her 12-year struggle came to an end. Look in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, and the, 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 the uh, Greek text here seems to indicate she kept, she kept thinking this. She kept saying this over and over to, to herself. She thought, she kept saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You need to understand something. Jesus was literally her last resort. She literally had nowhere else to turn. No doctor could help her with her suffering. In fact, Luke in, eight, in chapter 8, verse 43, the gospel writer Luke says, no one could heal her. But when she heard about Jesus, she went to him in desperation and she asked, or she went to him in faith that he could do what others couldn't do. And so, I want you to look at verse 27 and 28 because I marvel, I marvel, I marvel at what this lady did. Verse 27 and 28. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I marvel at this lady's faith in the face of 12 years of letdown. That she would have the faith to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I mean, he doesn't have to say anything to me. He doesn't have to come over and touch me. He doesn't have to come and make a pronouncement. I don't even have to say anything to him. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, everybody look this way. I'm going to give you some good information. Matthew, in his gospel account of this same story, Matthew tells us 
that what part of the garment that this woman touched. It's interesting what she did. Matthew 9.20 says, She touched the edge of his cloak. So Matthew tells us what part of the garment she touched. She touched the edge of his cloak. A New American Standard translates it this way. She touched the fringe of his cloak. Now let me give you some background here, some Old Testament background. Like all true Jews, Jesus likely wore a large square cloth that was used as an outer robe. This large square cloth had a hole in the middle of it. You put it over your head, and so it was a large square cloth that was just kind of an outer garment. This large square cloth had tassels on it on the four corners of the garment. One tassel on each corner, so you'd have a tassel in the front, or, or, or a tassel on this side and a tassel on that side, then in the back, a tassel on each side in the back. Four tassels on the four corners of the garment. The reason they did this was because it was in the Old Testament. It was, they were instructed to do it in the Old Testament. Let me show you that. Take your finger, put it in Mark. Go with me to Numbers, chapter 15. Numbers, chapter 15. Verse 37. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come. In other words, not just for you, this is for generations to come. Throughout the generations to come, you're to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and here's the reason. So you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. And so, so the Jewish males, many times, especially the rabbis, they wore this outer garment. They had these tassels. Again, two in the front, two in the back. And the tassels, it was usually a long garment, that probably hung down long near their ankles. And so the tassels really kind of served two purposes. One, when you saw it, it was a reminder to obey the law of God. But also, when the tassels brushed up against your leg, it was an ongoing reminder as you were walking, an ongoing reminder as those tassels brushed up against your leg to remember and obey the law of God. Just as you're walking through your day, you have this visual and this, this other Reminder where you could fill it as a reminder to obey the law of God. That likely is what the lady touched. When Jesus was walking by, she said, If I can just touch the tassel on his garment, I'll be healed. Now, let's look and see what happened. Because when she reached out, Please get this. When she reached out, it was the deliberate, purposeful touch of faith. Look in verse 28 and 29. Let's see what happened. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediately. Anybody here need an immediately in your life? 
There, there's some point of desperation in your life, some point of desperation in your home, and you could sure use an immediately in your situation. This text doesn't, doesn't tell us, but I imagine that my guess is once she felt the healing in her body, once she felt what she had not felt for 12 years, relief from pain and suffering, I imagine that when this happened and immediately she felt relief, I imagine she stopped and stood there in amazement just trying to process what had just happened to her. She felt in her body, it says in verse 29, that she was freed from her suffering. The disease that had weakened her body for years suddenly disappeared. The pain was suddenly gone. The bleeding had stopped. And while she stood there trying to process what had happened, Jesus asked a question. Verse 30. At once, and in some translations, it's translated immediately. There's two immediately's. One in verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped. And verse 30, immediately or at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Luke, in his gospel account, tells us in Luke chapter 8, verse 42, Luke says, as Jesus was on, his ways, was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. The crowd was so large, and they were, they, were, they were so anxious, and they were so wanting to be a part of what Jesus was doing and needing him, and, and they were touching him all over. They were, they were almost crushing him, Luke says in his gospel account. The crowds were everywhere. I mean... Some of you are young enough, maybe I should say old enough and be accurate. Some of you are old enough to remember the Beatles. When, when the Beatles came to the United States and they went through the crowds, you understand how everybody went crazy and they were trying to touch them. They were screaming and it's kind of like, or if you don't remember the Beatles, do you remember Elvis? Yeah, now we're getting into your generation, right? And, and, and Elvis, when, when, the, when he was... Walking through, the, the crowds were just everywhere. And they were all trying to get to him. They were all trying to touch him. That's kind of the way it was with Jesus. And so everybody's pushing and shoving. Everybody's crushing him. And, and in the middle of all of that, Jesus stopped and he turned around and he said, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And so the disciples ask a very legitimate question. Verse 31. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Now, do you remember? She tried to sneak up from the back just to touch a tassel, trying to make sure, you know, that she was unseen and unknown. Look at verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. His eyes kept searching the crowd, looking for the person who touched him in faith. Now, there's a, there a lot of people there, but his eyes kept scanning the crowd, looking for that person who touched him in faith. And all of a sudden, his eyes all at once rested on this woman who had tried to slip away into the crowd. He saw her. She saw him. 
And look at what he said. Verse 33 and 34. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, what's that first word, church? He said to her what? Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want you to notice that first word, daughter. This is the only time in the Gospels that Jesus called any woman daughter. It was a term of endearment and a term of respect. Jesus spoke to her not as a man to a woman. He spoke to her as a father to a daughter. This woman who had been excluded from the temple and excluded from society for for 12 years, he spoke to her, watch this, he spoke to her as if she were part of his family. Isn't that beautiful? Excluded from people for 12 years, excluded from the temple for 12 years, and when he speaks to her, he speaks to her as if she is part of his family. He calls her daughter. The outcast who could not be welcomed into the house of God was now spoken to as if she were a child of God daughter your faith he says in verse 34 has healed you she was no you know what that meant she was no longer excommunicated from the temple she was no longer ostracized from her family she was no longer considered unclean by society and she was no longer in bondage to pain Now the word healed is an interesting word in the Greek text. It can mean your faith has saved you. Most commentators believe that 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 really is the, the meaning behind this word. That your faith not only has healed you physically, but it has saved you spiritually. And we base it somewhat on what Jesus said to her. You see, Jesus said to her, you are freed from your suffering. That's physical healing. Then he said, go in peace. Many believe he's talking about spiritual healing. Watch this. Have, well, let me say it this way. Have you, ever, have you ever stood there, you probably did this this week, have you ever opened the door for somebody and just kind of held it open and let them walk through? I tried to do that. I tried to mind my manners, and especially when I like to go to a hospital. Recently I did that for a lady, and she literally stopped and said, my goodness, I didn't know people still did that. You know, I just try to do it. It's, it's, just, it's just the way it makes some people smile sometimes. And so I stop, I open the door, I hold it open for them, I let them walk through. You know what Jesus said to her when he said, your suffering is over, your faith has healed you? Go in peace. He was opening the door, holding it open, go in peace to a new life. What he did for her, he can do for you. See, you need to understand something. Listen, watch this. This is my favorite part of the message. Twelve years of suffering were stopped in one moment of faith. Please understand what happened here. How does this intersect with our lives? How do you and, you and I apply this to our story? into our lives. i got three things that will help you apply this story if you want to write them down. Three points of application to show you how this story intersects with your story. Number one, you need to remember, first of all, number one, that genuine faith involves action. 
underlined in the Bible, verse 27, I believe it is. Yes, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. When she heard about Jesus. In other words, there was a day in her hopeless life when she heard some good news. There was a day in her hopeless life when she heard about Jesus. And she heard of his ability to heal. And when she heard about Jesus, she got up from her sickbed and went to find him. And she went to touch the cloak of his garment. Despite years of pain, despite years of weaknesses, of weakness, she got up and went to Jesus and found her answer. Now listen to me. Genuine faith always involves action. In fact, faith that that is not put into action is not faith at all. A faith that just talks about what you believe is not really faith. Faith is always something that that is put into action. In our times of desperation, we don't have to worry about the correct way to reach out to God. In times of desperation, in times of hopelessness, we simply need to do what this lady did and simply reach out in faith. Genuine faith always involves action. But here's number two. I love this. God can change the unchangeable. God can change the unchangeable. Here's how it intersects with our lives. In this story, Jesus changed the situation that had been a problem for 12 years. It was a situation that nobody could change. This woman had been unclean and had not lived a normal life, but Jesus changed her and restored her because he can change the unchangeable. Maybe you've got an unchangeable situation in your life. And, And I wish I could tell you, listen to me, I wish I could tell you that every person who puts faith in Christ will be healed. I wish I could tell you that, yes, if you, if you simply reach out and touch the hem of his garment. But you know what? We, how do we do that, right? How do we reach out and touch that tassel? I don't think the story is really a promise that God would, would heal every person. And I wish it was that. I wish you could experience that. I do believe that God heals. I do believe that faith matters. I do believe that faith brings about uh, situations that would not be brought, brought about any other way. I do believe God can change the unchangeable. But here's what you need to understand. Sometimes we're tempted to give up on people and tempted to give up in situations because they haven't changed for many years. But keep praying and keep trusting, keep asking God to change the unchangeable in your life. Maybe you just need to make that your prayer. God, I've been in this situation a long time and I'm asking you, will you change the unchangeable? Just let that be your prayer. God, you can define even what what that means, but God, would you change the unchangeable in my life? Here's the third thing I want you to get. This is so good, so important. Number three, Jesus responds to faith. See, when we believe... He shares his power with us and something happens in our lives. I love the fact that Jesus underlined for this lady, Ma'am, your faith has healed you. Everybody look up here and tell you something. You know why he said that? He wanted to make sure she understood, Listen, it was not my tassel. It was your faith. Nothing magical about my tassel. I want to make sure you understand. Now listen, 
maybe I shouldn't say this, but in this day and time, with the celebrity name it and claim it faith healers on TV, they'd be mailing you tassels in the mail for a gift of $200. I shouldn't have said that. My point is, maybe you'll remember the point. My point is this. There's no power in the tassel. There's power in faith in Jesus. Ma'am, your faith has healed you. Faith. I'll tell you something. Words that she thought she would never hear are probably these. Go in peace. She hadn't had any peace in her life for 12 years. Go into peace. He gave her her life back. And ultimately, we are all like this woman. We're all desperate for Jesus. We all desperately need Him to do for us what only He can do. It really is a picture of the gospel when you think about it. We all have a sin condition that only Jesus can heal. We all have a problem for which there is no human solution. We all have a problem for which faith can bring about healing that cannot be brought about any other way. You see, I'm here today to declare to you the Lord Jesus Christ can save your soul. The Lord Jesus can give you peace to your life. The Lord Jesus can do what nobody else can do. When you have nowhere else to turn, be sure you turn to Jesus. Angie sang that beautiful song a moment ago, and I wrote down the words, Lord, save me. I have nowhere else to go. I trust in you alone. But what a beautiful prayer for you to pray. Whatever your situation is, Lord, save me. I have nowhere else to go. I trust in you alone. Some of you today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. This would be your day to do that. This would be your day to say, Lord, save me. I have nowhere else to go. I trust in you alone. My life's a mess. My life's a wreck. And no one can help me. Lord, save me. For some of you, you're already saved. You're a Christian. But man, it's been some years of hard, hard struggles. Maybe your prayer would be a prayer of faith that says, Lord, save me. I have nowhere else to go. I trust in you alone. Whatever that means, I'm trusting in you alone. Daughter, he said, I think with a smile on his face, your faith has saved you. Let's pray together. Would you reach out to the Lord in faith today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just, your need, you know what it is, your situation, your life, you may be in a desperate situation and by faith, just reach out to him. Lord, save me. I have nowhere else to go. I trust in you alone. You need to place your faith in Christ today. I'm here to help you. I'll be down front. Or if you just need to pray, feel free to come to this altar and do that. Father, in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful for your mercy and for your grace. May you show it again today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.